Welcome to Christ Church England. Oh, good morning. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. Good morning sermon. to those watching online. Or Are we online? We're on. Well, good morning to you too. It's great to be back with y'all in uh, Midland today. Stacy sends her love and greetings. She misses you all. Uh, we had to take her mom to a uh, hospital middle of the night this week, and she's back taking care of Big Mama, but she's uh, following along and sends her love. We did bring our daughter, Nana, and our new son-in-law, Chris, along this weekend and a friend, and it takes, uh, it takes at least three people to replace Stacy, so we're okay. Uh, Christ Church is our strongest church partner in the whole world, and just know we really appreciate you and give thanks to God for you. You're an incredibly strong rock to uh, lean on and lean into. In today's gospel, uh, Jesus is giving us a picture, uh, and it's a vivid one. It's not a parable. Uh, for the last several Sundays, we've gone through this string of parables, but today's something different. Jesus gives us this, this image, this picture, and what he does is he's pulling it all together, and it's a, a panoramic. It's a panoramic of the, the kind of world Jesus longed to see and that would bring glory to God. It's a picture of what Paul writes about this morning is when God is all in all. And friends, we're going to miss the point entirely uh, if we read this as just a, a list of rules to obey, things to do, a, a religious punch list. Uh, in order to get Jesus' point, what he's driving at, we're going to need to step back a bit and we have to look at the broad sweep of Matthew's gospel. You know, that's the, the surest way to misinterpret and mangle Scripture is when you pull out a passage and you just work on it by itself. You have to keep one eye on the passage and one eye on the big story. I see uh, television preachers sometimes and just scratch my head, and they've pulled out a passage, and they're trying to make it fit their agenda. And what it has to do is actually fit in with God's agenda in, in God's story. So what is Jesus' big point? We have to get that. And, and how does this, this uh, image today bring all these parables we've heard together in, in one big vision? And what's in there for us today here in Midland? And the big question, the big takeaway question for us today right here is before Advent is, are you different? Are you different? And this matters. It, it matters for you right now. It matters for all eternity because Jesus says he's going to come separate the sheep from the goats. To be in God's kingdom, to have eternal life now and, and forever, a power has to come from the outside that makes us different. Are you? What, what is the difference that Jesus is looking for when he separates the sheep and the goats? It matters. Let me just say a few quick things first, though. Uh, Stacy and Chris and Nina and I, we live and work in the Middle East um, mainly with refugees from ISIS. There are about a, a million of them in short drive from our home. The uh, average stay in a UN refugee camp is 18 years. So we are in this for the long haul. We pray y'all are too. Let me just say a brief word about COVID. Um, globally, because of the economic lockdown from COVID, the UN is reporting that 1.6 billion people cannot afford food right now. 6,000 children die every day for lack of food and medicine because of the lockdown from COVID. Uh, and we've been right in the teeth of that. The refugees don't get food from the UN, ever. And so if they don't work, they don't eat. And with you all and our church partners and friends, we've been, mainly since February, we've become a big food relief operation. $50 feeds a family for a month, 
and we've just been at it nonstop in East Africa and the Middle East right now. The four of us live among the 3.2 billion, with a B, people on earth who have no access to the gospel. 42% of the planet has no access to the gospel. Just think about that. 80% of all the world's Buddhists, Muslims, and Hindus will never meet a Christ follower in their lifetimes. And only 3% of all missionaries go to the Islamic world with 1.8 billion souls. You're looking at three percenters this morning. But in all that today, friends, um, we're seeing something enormous. And what I'm always amazed about Americans is what we don't know. Because our media uh, misreports and doesn't report and under-reports. And under and, um, I don't know if you watch Fox or CNN or whatever you're watching. I just don't know there's a, a TV show about the great things God is doing. So I have to fill in that gap when we come back to the U.S. And right now, what we need to know is we are seeing the biggest move of God across the planet in history. And particularly in the Muslim world. The world's fastest growing Christian country is... Iran, yeah. Indonesia is the world's largest Muslim nation. The numbers are at the current rate. Indonesia will be majority Christ follower in a, in a generation. Right now, lifetime, right in front of us, we are seeing disciple-making movements emerge all across the Middle East. Uh, just a little bit to our east, we have a Muslim follower of Jesus, first-generation follower, he has gone off and in the last few years planted 1,000 churches. Isn't that good news? Anybody like that? Yeah. Uh, we have one Muslim refugee uh, who had uh, never met a Christ follower in his lifetime. Not been baptized, never even met another believer. Came into our refugee camp with the, with the Muslim Kurds and planted 18 house churches. We had to tackle him long enough to dunk him <laughs> and then just let him go back to what he was, what he was doing. And, and this is the fruit of your investments. This is your ROI. Uh, friends, you have crowns to lay at the feet of Jesus and the nations. So well done, good and faithful servants. And the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. And no one pays us, nobody. So we're grateful to our friends and church partners, and especially you all at Christ Church. Again, you're our biggest partner. You keep us in the middle of the action where God is moving right now. We have a window in the Middle East. Windows close. But we have a window, and we are hitting it with everything we've got. And we're grateful for your prayers. Please keep praying. Prayer is the engine for mission. We always say prayer strikes the winning blow. Ministry is just cleaning up the results. So when we're seeing the kingdom of God come in the Middle East, when we're baptizing new believers and the new believers are being bold and when they're sharing, it's because y'all are, are praying. Please pray for the new believers. Pray for us. Pray for God's kingdom to come. Um, this first generation of Christ followers emerging all across the Middle East. And I won't lie to you, it is, it is very hard. It is very hard. The odds are stacked against us. Uh, we work on a shoestring on a good week. Um, I had a heart attack and died in, in, on the table in February, and a lot of it had to do with that. It's hard, but the, the one thing we haven't done is quit, and that's because y'all are praying and supporting, and we, we fight on for another day. So on to today's gospel. It's a biggie, and we, again, we have to look at it in context. Otherwise, we're not going to get it. We're going to miss it, and it's really tempting to misread this passage 
See, the, the gospel is not a, a punch list of things you have to do to get to heaven. This is not about guilting you into giving a few bucks to help the refugees and orphans. But, you know, that's where we're going to default. That's where we're going to go. That's where our hearts are going to wander without help. So here's the context. Jesus has been on a tear in this patch of Matthew we've been reading. Uh, he's been talking about his kingdom. Man, is he chafing at the religious leaders. And, and in Matthew chapters 24 and 25, he's focusing on the coming of the Son of Man and his kingdom. All right? I was sharing with Henry, it's amazing how I hear so little talk about the kingdom from the pulpit and in churches in the U.S. when it's the thing Jesus talked about the most. Realize that? Jesus didn't send the 72 off to plant churches. He sent the 72 out to announce the kingdom was coming near, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. So Jesus shares with his disciples. This is what Jesus talks about. The, there are the signs of the end of the age, the parable of the fig tree, no one knows the day or hour, there are the days of Noah, the parable of the watchful householder, the faithful and wise servants, the wise and foolish virgins. That was a fun one to preach on. The parable of the talents, the sheep and the goats. These are all kingdoms parables. And in all of this, in order to come into God's kingdom, a power has to come from the outside in. And it's only this power that can save us. It's only this power that can bring us into God's kingdom, that can restore our relationship with God, and that ultimately can change the world through us. There has to be a power. There has to be a change on the inside that comes from the outside. And it doesn't, it doesn't come from the inside. It starts from the outside. It all begins with repentance and humility. In order to, to enter the kingdom of God, in order to receive this power that gives life now and forever, we first have to be poor in spirit. And to be poor in spirit simply means to say, my problems are beyond me. I can't save myself. I need help. I... I'm not competent to deal with my problems. I need an intervention. You know, my turnaround in life was as a young adult, was when I went to God and I just said, here are the keys to the car. Take them. I have driven the car off the cliff. I am, I am not competent to manage my own life. Take the keys. And I didn't need a little help and I didn't need advice. I needed an intervention. So, so get this, the number one requirement for entering God's kingdom is we can't come to Jesus like he's a, a self-help course, a little enrichment course. We can't dabble and we can't stay at the center. Jesus has to be the central character in this drama. See, the gospel is the good news of what God has done to reach us, not what we need to do to reach God. It's the opposite. It's not advice about what we have to do to reach God, or how to be nicer, or how to be prosperous. It's not advice, and we can't stay at the center. What is this good news? The good news is that God has entered the world in Jesus to achieve a salvation we could not achieve for ourselves. And this salvation transforms individuals, and it makes us a new humanity, and a new creation, and eventually it will renew the whole world. That's the gospel. You know, only, only Americans could make the gospel about us individually. We are the only people on the planet who could possibly do that. 
You know, it is so much more. You know, yes, Jesus died for my sins. And then what? So what? To do what? There's an, there's an and more. You know, I don't, this idea of, you know, we die and we get a fluffy cloud and a harp. And that's not good news to me. I'm going to get bored. And I hate harp music. I just hate it. That's terrible. I want to rule with, with Christ uh, in the new creation where God is all in all. So Jesus is hammering what this salvation is and does, and it forms a new people with a new purpose for living in a new creation. It's not about getting saved and going to heaven. He didn't talk like that. He never talked like that. Context. So if we go through all of Matthew's gospel, again, pull back, big picture, God's story, we see a really big theme. Jesus' big theme he's hitting on. This is where he's getting in trouble. This is what's going to get him killed. Is It's the difference between religious righteousness, which is self-righteousness, and gospel goodness. This is foundational. Before we can talk about our Christian life, when we walk out these doors, before we can talk about what the church should be doing and having vestry retreats about it and, and all those good things, we have to get this. Because if we don't get this, we're not going to get Christianity at all. Because Christianity is not just different from the world. Christianity is different from religion. And Jesus is pounding that. And boy, is he getting in trouble for it. But you're either building your house on rock or on sand. Religious righteousness is sand. Gospel goodness is the rock. So my friend Tim Keller writes that Christianity isn't something that you take up. It's something that takes you up. It's, 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 Christianity is like golf, like a hobby you take up. You know, honey, this year I'm going to take up golf and some church. You can't save yourself and we can't dabble in it. A power has to come into our lives. And this power, if it's come into our lives, makes us different. It takes you up. Jesus says in John 3, you must be born again to enter the kingdom. And this being born again is the beginning, not the end. There's always a, an and, a so what? Why? It's the beginning. It's the gateway into living in God's kingdom. So today what Jesus is doing is he's painting us a picture of how his followers are to live in his kingdom under his kingship. And when the gospel comes into our lives, when that power comes in, something, something changes. The power of God, the power of the gospel has to come from the outside in. And Jesus is always making a distinction between religious righteousness and, and gospel goodness. And he says the door is closed to those who only have religious righteousness. That should rattle us a little bit. The door is closed. But I went to church every Sunday. I'm not looking for that. When I look at you, I want to see me. That's what he's looking for. See, the power comes from the outside and fundamentally restructures our motivations, our understanding, our identity. And if we're just following rules and going through a punch list without heart change, it's superficial, and we do it out of fear, you know, and guilt. Um, you know, I went to church for 20-some years just to get points with God and make him happy so maybe when I die he would accept me. That's how I grew up. That's how I was taught to go to church. That's not why we went to church. You know, that's a burden that doesn't give life now or eternally. 
You know, we can go to church every Sunday and put money in the basket and tithe and sing in the choir and serve on vestry and still hear, depart from me, I knew you not. Jesus said that. He's meaning to rattle. You know, we can love our denomination, love our religion, we love our worship, we love our hymns, we love seeing our friends on Sunday, and that's great. Not knocking it. That's fine. That's good. But do we love being a disciple more? What do we love more? See, the gospel, what it does when it comes in is changes our agenda. When we, we enter God's kingdom, we're born again. What happens is then we become extensions of Jesus' purposes on earth. Everything changes. We, we begin to orbit around God and God's purposes instead of orbiting around our wants and our fears and our needs and our insecurities. It's a, it's a change of center of gravity. You know, so what's God's agenda? What's God's big plan? What's he up to? Since the fall, God's been on a project. You know? Jesus is king, the king, who has come to build his kingdom. He's putting things, all things into place. He's fixing everything we broke in the fall and restoring it under his rule and reign. It's bringing everything under his rule and reign. We pray that in the colic. It's God's will that all be restored in his son Jesus. Don't you agree that things are better when they're under God's rule and reign? Right? That's what he's doing. That's what we're, we're to be doing. Tom Wright notes, Jesus intended his followers to be utterly different, people who reflected God and his love in a whole new way into the world. That is what will ultimately count. So that's God's heart. That's God's will. Restoring everything, fixing everything we broke in Jesus. Do we want what he wants? Is, is his agenda your agenda? Is that your center of gravity? Is that your heart's desire? You know, I've met people along the way, pastorally, in church, who have been um, concerned about their salvation. That can be a good question. That can be the Holy Spirit, or they could just be neurotic. It's about 50-50, all right? But I, I, I always respond then just with a question of my own, and it's really simple is, well, to answer your question, answer this question, which is, what do you orbit around? Are you orbiting around yourself and your retirement account and your children and your family and your, your stature and whatever? Or are you orbiting around God? If you're orbiting around something else, an idol or something of this world, we got a problem. If you're orbiting around God and the things of God, you're good to go. What do you orbit around? See, the, the gospel, the power of the gospel comes in and it replaces me, I, at the center or our concerns or our idols. That's the surest way to know you're in the kingdom of God. The center has been changed. There's been a change. There's been a shift. Otherwise, we might just be practicing religion and trying to make ourselves righteous. That's the warning Jesus is after. So if you're orbiting around God and the things of God, what do we do? Well, you do what he says. What does Jesus say? He says, if you love me, you will what? Obey. Obey. Not know my word, not study my word, not go to countless Bible studies, get software, you know, learn the Greek. And say that. He said, obey my word. We're, we're, we're to teach people 
We're not supposed to teach people about the commands of Jesus. We're to teach the people how to obey the commands of Jesus. Because God builds his kingdom through our obedience. There's a money statement for you. God builds his kingdom through our obedience. The kingdom of God comes when followers of Jesus are living lives of obedience to him, if we're extensions of his purposes. And friends, here's the deal. The the kingdom of God is the answer to all of the challenges our country and our world face. Disciples living as extensions of Jesus' purposes bring his kingdom. You know, we tell people all the time, there is no political solution to the Middle East. There is no diplomatic solution to the Middle East. Ultimately, there's no military solution to the Middle East. We've tried it all. And if you haven't noticed, our country is a little wonky right now. You know, some days I wake up and turn on the news and want to go back to the Middle East where it's sane and rational. You know, the, the only solution is the kingdom of God. Studies have shown, they've studied this empirically over the last 150 years, when, when evangelical missionaries, that just means people, missionaries who talk about Jesus, come to an area of the world, what they've studied and proven is that it's not just, you know, churches form, it, it's everything changes. Healthcare improves, education improves, quality of life improves, uh, employment, the economy improves, the treatment of women and children improves. That's the kingdom of God coming upon them. You know, when, when we first rolled into our refugee camp in northern Iraq, it was just a, a hopeless place. And there are, there are two things in nearly 20 years of doing this that I cannot get across to Americans. Just can't. There's no way. One is, first one is nothing. We have no paradigm for nothing. Having Nothing. And we can't get our heads around it. We have no idea what that looks like. The other one is hopelessness. When a people have just given up hope. Just waves of suicides in camp. And you walk in there and it's just dark and dead. And they have given up all hope. But then in came the Christ followers with your support. And I can, and we found in this hopelessness, we found 400 orphans and 400 widows from ISIS that nobody was caring for. We began to work with them and love on them. Today, friends, I can walk into camp with my eyes closed and I can feel the difference. The atmosphere has changed. That dark cloud is, is going. There are smiles. There is laughter. There is hope. What's going on? It's, it's physically, environmentally different what's going on. The kingdom of God is coming upon these people because disciples are in there doing what Jesus said to do. And it's changing everything. And you know what they tell us? And they know we're Christ followers. They say, tell us, no one has ever loved us like you have. And everybody else left. The UN left. The government left. Nobody does anything for us. The big nonprofits, they all left. And you stayed. And nobody loves us like you do. And what they're seeing is Jesus. And you sent us there and you keep us there. And they're seeing Jesus. This is your victory too, Christ Church Midland. Crowns to lay at the feet of Jesus. See, when the power of the gospel comes in our lives, God gives us his spirit and gifts so that the people around us see Jesus. And this is gospel goodness, not religious righteousness. 
Nobody needs more religion. Nobody needs more rules. Nobody needs more religious burden. You know, it's not good news for Muslims to switch out one religion for another, just one set of rules for another that nobody can follow anyway. That's not, that's not good news. That's, 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 that's not good news for the broken people in Midland. They don't need religion. They don't need another to-do list. They don't need more burden and guilt and fear. Yeah. Amen. You know? It's, the gospel is not a set of rules. It's not a religious punch list. It's a change. It's a power. Your center of gravity changes. God's purposes become your purposes. And God's, his project is he wants to restore his rule and reign across the planet in the Middle East and right here in Midland. That's God's will. That's God's project. That's what he calls us to. You know, God wants to see us feed the hungry and, and clothe the naked and care for the sick and visit prisoners and take care of foster kids like you're doing. He wants to undo everything that broke in the fall. That's his heart. And if we follow Jesus, this power, we, we've, we've received a power to do these things, God's project. Jesus is returning to separate the sheep and the goats, and he won't be looking for religious righteousness. We'll be looking for gospel goodness. And all of us who follow Jesus, we have the word, the spirit, and the responsibility to fulfill his mission, his agenda, his purpose, not mine. So let's land the plane. If, um, if God is truly your center, if this power has come into your life, press in more. Orbit closer to him. Be Venus and not Pluto. Pluto's kind of orbiting out there, but it's kind of cold and kind of dark. It's orbiting. Get closer. Get brighter. Get warmer. Pursue God's purposes. Get to know him better. Look for opportunities to extend his kingdom. Ask God for what he wants you to do for him. Today, in this church, in Midland, in the world, clear out time. Listen, press in, invest. He'll tell you. Don't just, you're not trying to earn points. We don't do this to earn points with God. We're in, to live it. We do it for the glory of God and out of gratitude and love for what he has done for us in Jesus. You see the difference? You know, religious righteousness, again, is trying to earn points and go through the punch list and do these things. You know, that's how Muslims are. You know, and they don't know. You know if, you do, if you operate that way, you never know if you've done enough. Have I prayed enough? Have I gone to mosque enough? Have I fasted enough? They don't know what's going to happen to them when they die. That's why they're fussy. That's why Muslims are fussy. They're living under a burden and they don't know what's going to happen to them when they die. And also that just makes it all about you, what I'm doing, the things that I have to do, as opposed to what God is trying to do. The gospel is God's done it for us in Jesus. He's accepted us. He's given us a power to join him on his project. Now, on the other hand, if God is not at your center, if you take an inventory and, you know, if it's been my career, my money, my retirement account, my family, you know, something else, repent. Repent of making yourself the center. Repent of whatever, having that idol, you know. Used to be the bank account for me. You know, my, my, my life revolved around, did we have this amount in checking and savings? And if it wasn't right, I'd fall apart. I mean, that was my center. You know, let go of that baggage. Ask him to take over. Ask, it's, a, it's the burden of self. It's horrible. 
You're a terrible master of yourself. It's a burden. Ask him to replace that burden of self with his gentle yoke. You know, Jesus is the only idol, only person you can worship that won't try to kill you. Your idols will ultimately try to kill you. As for the power of the gospel to come into your life and make you a new creation, come into his kingdom, and then live as a citizen of his kingdom from a heart of gratitude. So today's big questions, are you different? Has the power of the gospel come into your life? What's the proof? Are Jesus and his kingdom your center of gravity? Are you an active citizen of his kingdom or sitting on the bench? Are you living as an extension of Jesus' purposes? Friends, are you practicing religion or are you a disciple? When you stand before Jesus, will he see religious righteousness or gospel goodness? Will he see himself in you? Those are questions to think about as we roll into Advent and prepare for his coming. And he's coming And that is great news for people who love and follow him. That is great news. Now may Christ dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.